So we, we give to missions and we go on missions and missions exist because we are at war spiritually. That, that word war, it, it means a lot more to us this Sunday than it did last Sunday, doesn't it? I don't know how the events of Friday night impacted your life, but it had a huge impact on mine. I had no idea what was going on. We were contacted and I began to watch the the Twitter feeds and to gather information about all that was happening. And I cannot tell you just how saddened I was and how my mind was just overwhelmed with how this, this Islamic reality had come and hit this secular society. And it, it, it reminded me of how, how when you don't have hope, you hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And so what we see in these is Islamic terrorists are people who have no hope. And because they have no hope, they're hurting. And because they're hurting, they hurt other people. And so here are these secularists, and, and a majority of France would say that they are secular. They don't believe in God. They, they, they don't have any concept of, of needing that. And so now you've got these folks who've been impacted by hate, and they're, they're looking at life through the, the, the lens that there is no real hope. And, and I think about the darkness and the pain, and that is exactly the way the enemy likes it. See, they're, they're, after the... After the information began to settle and everything became, there, there, was a, there was about an hour after everything that was kind of known was known and everyone was beginning to recap the same information, there began to be uh, Twitter feeds of people saying, why? Why is this happening? What's going on with the world? Why is this happening? And, and I'll tell you why this is happening and why we're so upset by it. See, God made this world to be in harmony. God created beings with the capacity to choose in a perfect world and a perfect heaven. There were angels that were made who had the capacity to choose to either love God or not to love God. And there was a group led by Satan himself uh, of angels who decided they didn't want to worship God. They didn't want to fall down and and glory in him. They wanted the glory for themselves. And so they were overthrown and thrown out of heaven. And now they're on this fallen planet, this fallen planet that has not always been fallen. There was a time when God's image bearers, and that's what we are, God's image bearers, we were, we were on this planet, blessed by God, in a right relationship with him, and there was harmony. Humanity had peace with God, peace within, and peace with others, and peace in all things, just as God created it to be. So what happened? The enemy brought deception and manipulation, and his treason was then inflicted upon this planet through us. See, as God's image bearers, we were given responsibility for this planet. And so when Adam sinned, we all sinned, and our sin is an act of treason, and what we in essence did is we joined Satan. And so we now live in a world where there's a fallen angel in a fallen world with fallen people, and this is what happens. There's darkness, there's pain, and there's suffering. But thanks be to God, he did not abandon us to that. God chose to come and rescue us. Yes, we fell from from grace. Yes, we have 
fallen. Yes, there is sin. Yes, God created this beautiful place and we ruined it with our treason. And that's what sin is. It's treason against high heaven. But God did not abandon us. Instead, he sent his son to rescue us. And for all who believe now, because he died to pay for the penalty of our sin, he defeated death through his resurrection. And one day he's going to return again. There will be a restoration. He's going to make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. And everything will be in harmony again. Until that time, from rescue to restoration, we're at war. We are in a spiritual war and we need to wake up. We in the West... We have forgotten that we have an enemy that has clearly stated its desire to harm us. I don't know if you, if you saw some of the Twitter feeds from ISIS and other enemies of the West who spoke of desiring to harm us. We need to realize here in the West, we are not at, in a peace time. We are at war. And because of that, we need to have a wartime mindset. See, in a wartime mindset, In a wartime mindset, we are mindful of the potential for losses. See, remember when when we were beginning to send soldiers into Iraq and Afghanistan? My goodness, we were so concerned because we were thinking there there could be loss. There could be loss of human life. There's going to be loss. And I'm going to tell you, there were places that that our members, your children and grandchildren, dads and moms, friends, were being sent. I didn't even know where some of these places were. I have to confess. I, I went to public school. Don't judge me, all right? So I didn't know where Afghanistan was until we invaded it. I didn't know where Turkmenistan was. I didn't know the stands existed hardly, all right? But there they all were. And so now I'm beginning to watch, oh, so-and-so's son is here. Hey, that's, that's where Alex was. That's where, and, and we get to know these areas. And so geographically, I'm mindful of what's going on. And there was a sacrificial, there's a sacrificial heart that exists in a wartime uh, mindset. It says, you know what? I'll help. Anything I can do to encourage, anything I will give more, I will be there, I will do more because I I want to help. I want there to be freedom. I want there to be victory. And and when there's a wartime mindset, all of that is happening in the church among many believers. There is a wrong sense of reality. We are not in a time of peace. We are in a time of war. And the losses are eternal. And we need to be mindful of the realities of the things that are surrounding our children, our parents, our friends, our grandkids. All of these people, we need to be mindful of the situation, the circumstances, the geography they're in. And we need to understand that they need help. They need resources. They need support. They need encouragement. We are at war. God's word says so. Look what God's word says. This is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, this present darkness. That's what this world is under right now. A fallen angel in a fallen world with fallen people. It is a dark time. It's a dark world. The world is not as it should be. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual war and we need to wake up. And when we come awake, there's going to be something crucial that will come alive in us. What is it? Prayer. Look in verse 18. When we are mindful of the reality of the war, we will be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We've got to wake up. We've got to be alert. 
And, and we gotta, we gotta, with perseverance, we got to make supplication. That is prayer for all the saints. Here's what we can know. If we do not have an active, dynamic prayer life, it's because we don't believe we're at war. And we've been lulled into sleep. We've been lulled into the lie that this is a peacetime. And so we don't need to be worried about losses. And we don't need to be worried about circumstances of where people are. And we don't, we don't need to sacrifice. And we don't need to encourage. And we don't need to step up and do anything. Because it's a time of peace. And that's a lie. It's a time of war. What better way to give the enemy the upper hand than to know that they are attacking but to ignore them and to let them just come and to have their way. And, and that is what is happening, spiritually speaking, in so many Christians' lives because we think, oh, we're okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The ball game's this afternoon. Hey, we got football going on. Hey, hey, Thanksgiving's coming. Hey, it was just Halloween. The world can't be that bad. Christmas will be here soon. Then New Year's and then valentine's day and then it'll stop snowing hopefully and then the spring will come and it's summertime again and it's baseball and look football's coming did you get your DraftKings bet in hey we better keep moving on we better keep it and what does the enemy do keep going to ignore the signs of darkness pretend that everything's fine and there's war and, and we need to be mindful. Listen, Jesus said we were at war. He said in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation. Why did he say that? Because we're at war. He said, but take hope. I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. And so because Jesus has overcome sin through the cross and the grave through his resurrection, we have hope. We have hope that is victorious and that hope is victorious. Check this, through prayer. And what we see in our text today is we see how that hope is released victoriously through prayer. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to our text for today, which is 1 John chapter 5. Can't believe it. Next Sunday, we're going to finish up this series uh, as we've been walking through 1 John and uh, discovering what hope is. We're we're almost done. So today uh, we're in verse uh, 13 of 1 John 5. Let's all stand together. Kelsey Denning, one of our high school students, is going to read for us. So let's all stand with her as she comes. And she's going to read the three verses I'm going to exposit today. And so if you would, uh, Kelsey, go ahead and read those for us. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us and in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request if we have asked of him. The word of God. Thank you, Kelsey. Well done. If you would, be, be seated. Please get this. Please believe this. Prayer matters. Prayer matters. It matters to God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say this. Don't misquote it. Don't mishear it. Make sure you understand it. God will often, not always, God will often limit his activity based upon the faith and prayers of people. Not always, but often. God will limit his activity based upon the faith and the prayers of his people. That being true, The last thing Satan and this dark world wants is for us to pray. 
Because that devil knows if we pray that we are going to unleash a sovereign power that is just, that will vanquish his rule. He's just like an older sibling who's been picking on his little brother. The last thing an older sibling who's picking on the little brother wants to hear is, I'm going to tell mom. Because that child knows Hey, as long as mom's not involved, I can control him. I can manipulate him. I can take his stuff. I can mess with him. But if mom shows up, there will be justice and she will enact sovereign power over that circumstance, right? And so the older sibling is afraid. Satan is scared to death that we will pray. Because if and when we pray, He, our God, will, our Father, will enact justice and his sovereign power will be released in that circumstance. Write it down and remember it. Prayer is the greatest weapon in the Christian's arsenal. It is our greatest weapon. When we pray, hell shivers. Because hell knows that our God is a mighty God. He's a powerful God. And when we call upon him rightly, that that there will be loss to the enemy. Prayer is crucial. We we see it in the story. uh, There's so many great stories. The one that impacts me, the one I I really appreciate is, is, um, I want to share, is Mark, it's in Mark chapter nine. Don't turn there, but look there later because we can't walk through it the way I want to. But in Mark nine, you'll know this story. It's when Jesus was transfigured. It came to be known the Mount of Transfiguration. You'll remember that Jesus took the varsity team, right? His three top guys, and they went up to the mountain and they experienced the transfiguration. They saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah heard the voice of God. Meanwhile, the JV team of disciples were at the bottom hill, right? And they're, they're waiting for Jesus to show up. And while they do, this guy, this man shows up with a demon-possessed son and the JV team cannot remove the demon, and, and the dad's upset, the people are upset. Finally, Jesus and the varsity team come back down. And, and there are a couple of things to, 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 when you read the story later, to, to notice. One of the things that was interesting, Jesus speaking to them, he pointed out the fact that the reason why the demon persisted was because they didn't believe. There was a lack of faith. And so the, the father says, I believe, help my unbelief. Remember that famous, you know that? That's where that comes from. And so Jesus then removes the demon And then the disciples, the JV team comes up to Jesus afterward and says, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we remove the demon? Look what Jesus said in Mark 9, 29. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Often, not always, God will limit himself to the faith and the prayers of people. Jesus said there was a lack of belief, a lack of faith, and a lack of prayer. Jesus, God in flesh, knew the power of prayer, knew that God answered prayer, knew that this was the great weapon of the Christian's arsenal, and he taught us to pray because prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer is important, and it's, under, and it's, it's so important that we understand how crucial it is. I love what John Bunyan said about it. Do you know this one? He said, prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and look at this, a scourge for Satan. You want to beat down the dark one? Pray. 
but pray rightly. And our text shows us how it is, how it is we can pray rightly, what we need to understand about prayer. Three things I want you to catch. First of all, our relationship with God is the foundation of prayer. Our relationship with God. It says in verse 13, I write these things, things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. See, understand, we know that we can talk with God because we have a relationship with God. And that relationship exists because of the mercy of God and because of our faith. It does not exist as religion, other world religions teach that there is a a business contract. All religions other than Christianity teach that that we come to God and we can ask because of a business contract. And what is said, and you want to make sure that this isn't your mindset, that this is not how you pray, but this is how some who are religious people, here's what they say in their attitude and often in their prayer. Lord, I've done some good, so you owe me. It's a business contract. Lord, I showed up to church today. That means I get a good week this week. The kids don't get sick this week. I get a bonus this week. I get that promotion. I went to church. And there's this mindset in religious world, other than Christianity, that says our our connection with God is a business contract. We seek to do good. At least we have the intention. Even if we don't do it, we have the intention. And then sometimes the action is the action. So God owes us. And that's a lie. There's no power in that. There are also those who say, you know what? Yeah, that's true, Uh, but I've got fire insurance. See, I've got an insurance policy. No, I don't love God. No, I don't serve God. No, I don't tell people about Jesus. No, I don't give financially to Jesus. No, I'm not a part of his kingdom in a local church, but I know when I die, I'm going to heaven because there was this time that I said this prayer and I made this commitment and I know I don't live it and I know I don't have it and I know it doesn't show in any way, but I've got fire insurance. I got to get out of hell free card in my back pocket because at some church, some preacher said something that made me cry and I said, okay. And so I'm good. And that's a lie. Whether a person is saved is not, I'm so glad it's not my problem. It's not my, that's beyond my pay grade. I don't need to be, I can't tell you if you're saved or not. Only the Holy Spirit can. But here's why I can tell you. Those who are saved are saved to live in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And those who know that they have eternal life live in a loving relationship with Jesus. And they say, Lord, I love you. I'm gonna live for you. And I'm going to trust you. Prayer, the the foundation of prayer is a relationship with God. And because we can relate to him, we can connect with him. We can hear from him and he can hear from us. So you got to understand that because we have a relationship with God, we know what to pray. Second thing to write down is this. God's word is the information of prayer. It's the information of prayer. Look what it says in the text, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask, underline this, ask anything according to his will. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What is God's will? Well, it's found in his word. If you do not know the word of God, you cannot know the will of God and you cannot pray 
the right way of God. Do you get that? If you do not know the word of God, you cannot know the will of God and you cannot pray in the right way of God. Now, scripture is, is full of, of God's will. It's so clear. And Thomas and I, Thomas is preaching the chapel right now. When we were, when we were talking this week, we, he, he, we had these, he had these five things. He said, oh, we got to preach through these, but we don't have two hours, right? So look in your bulletin and you'll find the gift for Christ insert on the back side of that. There is a Bible study we want to encourage you to do. Look at these five things to pray that we know are God's will. Take some time, look up those scriptures and look at how it's God's will for there to be sanctification, suffering, submission, spirit-filled life and salvation. Walk through those and, and understand those and, and, and review and, and study this and get a sense of, of the fact that, that God has revealed to us exactly what we are to pray. God has told us what he's gonna resource. See, here at Living Hope, our, our pastoral leadership has just walked through a, a lengthy process and, and, and we call it a budgeting process. But we don't just show up and say, hey, trustees, elders, can we have some money? That's not how it works. See, we actually have a vision and a mission and we actually have a focus for 2016. And so our pastoral leadership, what we have to do is we have to show that what we are asking resources, money for is according to the mission and vision and plan for 2016. We can't just come up and say, hey, I've asked, can, can I get a Lexus this year? I just wanted to test the system. I didn't really want one. I was just asking, right? And, and of course, the answer was no, that's not a part of the plan, right? Our plan, mission, and vision is, is this specifically, and so if a staff member asks for something, it's very easy to say, no, 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 this is what we're aiming for. This is what we want to do. Here's what we were going to accomplish. This is where the money, this is where our energy, this is where everything, that we, this is where we're going to, we're, this is where the resources are going to go. God says the same thing to us. He gives us his word and he says, this is where my power is going to go. This is where the resources will go. Do you want God's resources? Do you want his power? Then you have to pray according to his word. Just asking for anything like he's Santa Claus is not God's will. God's will is found in his word and you will not pray in the proper way until you know his word. Please understand, prayer is a dialogue. Who said this? Uh, Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray said, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. We hear from God and then we pray, and then we pray according to what we've heard. And, and I know there's some of you who say, you know what, if I could hear the audible word of God, then, then I would believe and I would do it. Do you want to hear the audible word of God? Read the Bible out loud. <laughs> and you will. This is the word of God. If you want to hear it really cool, listen to Max McLean read it, right? He's on the ESV app. You can hear him read it. It's the audible word of God. He speaks. God is speaking. Isaiah 55, 11 says that God has given his word and it will not return to him void. It will accomplish the purpose for which he has sent it. This is the word of God. And this is what God is going to resource. And so when we go to God in prayer, we go with a relationship. And we go asking him what he's already said that he's going to do. 
And we do that because of grace. Write it down. God's grace is the confidence we have in prayer. It's the confidence of prayer. When you know God's grace, there's confidence. It says in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. See, when we pray according to God's word, we know that we are praying his will and we are praying God's way because we have a relationship with him. It's based on the truth of God's word. And, and we know that it's because of God's grace that we have those things. We have a relationship with God and the word of God because of God's grace, not because we've deserved it. But because of God's grace, he died for our sins. Because of God's grace, he has conquered death at his resurrection. Because of God's grace, he gives us his spirit. And his spirit gives us life so that we can believe and live in his love. And because of that grace, we have confidence. Look what it says in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest. He's talking about Jesus who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and, and notice that, go back real quick, and, 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 and is yet without sin. This is the gospel. God took on flesh, lived a holy life, and died to pay for our sin. He has been raised. He is alive. He is now at the right hand of God. And so, okay, go to the last part. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have confidence to come to the throne of grace because of God's grace. We have a relationship. We have the word because of God's grace. And, and this grace, this grace, it, 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 is the, it is the confidence of our prayer. The way we experience it is through faith. Without faith, there's no power in the prayer. We have to believe we have to believe that we have a relationship. We have to believe the word of God. We have to believe in God's grace. We have to have faith. So write this down. Remember this. Hope is victorious through prayer when prayers are offered by faith. It's faith. Um, take out your Bible. Answer that later. Take out your Bible. It's just easy. I can't help it. Go to Hebrews 11. Take out your Bibles real quick and go to Hebrews 11, verse 6. Tell them we're at church and we wish they were here. <laughs> Hebrews 11, verse 6. I want us to read this out loud together, okay? Uh, if you don't know this one, you need to know this one. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Once you're there, kind of give me the nod. When it stops sounding like it's raining, I'll, I'll know you're there. This is, this is good stuff, guys. This is, this is the stuff. Hebrews 11, verse 6. You ready? Let's read this out loud together. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So without what? Without faith. We've got to believe. God often, not always, often limits his activity to the faith and the prayer of his people. If we will believe and we will trust 
God's grace and the truth of his word and the relationship that we have with God, we will pray and we will see the miracle of God. The miracle of God. God is at work in the world. But only in the lives of those who believe. And if you do not believe, you are lost. And you have no hope. And you're going to hurt. And because you hurt, you're going to hurt other people. But here's the thing. If you'll believe, you will have hope. And you will live hopeful and you will be helpful. And in being helpful, you will be happy. You'll not be happy because of what you get, but because of what you give. Because it is It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is the life. It is a life that is lived in a relationship with God according to the word, by grace, through faith. So what are you praying for? This morning I I prayed this and I, I wrote this down. It says, I wrote, you command me to have no fear and to not be dismayed And you say that in light of the reality that you are my God. And as my God, you've promised to strengthen, help, and uphold me. Where did I get that? Did I just make that up? I'd love to think I'm smart enough to just come up with that, but I'm not. Where did I get that? I got that from Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has promised that he will be our strength, our help, and he will uphold us in a time of need, but only if we believe. Do you believe? And do you understand we are at war? And do you understand how important it is that you pray? And do you get it that God will do miracles when you ask according to his will? And when you do that, you will not only shake hell, you will shake the lives of others. Look, look at what Spurgeon said. Take this to heart. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Let no friend, let no family member, listen, let no enemy go to hell unwarned and unprayed for. One of the things I'm reading in, like you, on Twitter and the news is, let's go bomb Syria. Let's go bomb these people. And you know what I say to that? Spiritually speaking, I say amen. You want to drop bombs? Pray. Prayer is the air war of God. It drops bombs and it softens the enemy so that the foot soldiers, those with the, with the shoes of gospel peace, can go in and serve God's purpose. Friends, you want to shake hell this morning? You, you want to experience the supernatural in a dynamic, loving, personal way? Come get on your knees and ask God to forgive you of your sin. Come ask God to do a miracle. Come ask God to be your help, to be your strength, and to provide what you desperately need right now. And bring glory to him. He asks us to. Let's stand together as we pray.
Father, we have just a moment to speak of the fact and sing of the fact that we can come to you. But Lord, there are many today uh, that, that need to come to you and and Lord, you're calling them to. They're, you're calling them to come get on, get on knees and just say, God, I want to join you in what you're doing. I, I want to ask you to do something. And for some, they need to come today and ask you to forgive them of their sin and to fill them with your life. And then there are others who need to ask you to do miracles. Father, I pray that some will come and shake hell right now and humbly get before you on their knees And ask you according to your word and will to bring healing and hope and salvation and life and strength in their life or in the life of someone they love. And to do it with great faith because of who you are and what you've done. So Lord, hear your people as they pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and pray as we sing together.